Welcome to the You Thought Wrong podcast, where we share stories of individuals just like you who have found ways to conquer their fears and are excelling at life. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode. Today we are here with entrepreneur and restaurant owner, Jonathan Harvey. We're sitting in his restaurant Nomads right now, which is located at Broadview and Queen. He is also a podcaster, a fitness guru, who has been in many fitness competitions. He has written a book, he is a husband, and just an overall great guy. So for me, restaurants were what I always did to get by, you know, like I've been a, I've been a struggling entrepreneur for 15 years. Yeah. And while I was trying to live the dream of being an entrepreneur, um, I always worked in restaurants. Yeah. So the most logical thing to do for me seemed, it was, and it was a very linear progression to eventually own them. It just sort of, it was a crossover between like living the dream and yeah. being an entrepreneur. Okay. So it just kind of worked out. Um, had my first restaurant in the Cayman Islands. Yeah. It was pretty short lived, but I got a really good deal out of it. Um, it's a little different down there. So how it works is you can own the land, but you don't, don't necessarily own the building. Uh, it's kind of strange. So um, the person that was buying the um, land also wanted the building and the business. Yeah. So I turned it over in nine months and then just kind of get moving in that direction, had some ups and downs along the way there. Uh, and then I'm I moved- we'll get into that soon. Yeah, God. <laughs> I, uh, I moved back in 2014 to Canada okay. and then I invested in um, El Jefe. So El Jefe was my first one here. El Jefe's in uh, Port Credit, Mississauga, for anybody that knows. Yeah. Um, had that for about a year, and then I pulled something called a shotgun clause okay. with my partners there. It was just, um, I just divided interests. You yeah. know, it's like anytime you get into a business with people, if your goals are different, eventually there's some friction. Yeah, eventually. and that, that's all it was. Like no, no hard feelings either way. It just wasn't the it right move. Yeah. yeah. So then after that, I started Nomads, um, and now I'm the majority shareholder of Nomads and pretty much anything else I do. Yeah. Just because I found that um, my ambitions personally are pretty high. I'm yeah. always at it. I have large, large goals. So if you work with people that don't see things the same way, um, unfortunately what happens is again, you get divided. So with the restaurant business, um, well, Nomad specifically, I started my first one at um, Danforth in the Danforth area. So Pape and Danforth. Boy, was that a struggle. (laughs) I remember coming in and like, (laughs) it just, it is very, uh, I guess, one type is it, you feel that way or? Well, it's gentrified, but it's also, I'm not sure that Nomads was different, different enough for the area. Mm-hmm. It's also, I don't know how else to put it, but it's also a very sleepy area. Okay. So if you're getting into a restaurant, you look at like metrics on a location. Yeah. And from a statistical standpoint, it was a home run. Yeah. From a reality check, it was not. Yeah. Um, I learned that pretty quick. Oh God. So <laughs> it was, it was, a, it was a tough, it was a tough like year and a half there. Yeah. Um, but we made it work. I ended up. So I'll, I'll, I'll slow down a little bit. So um, the year and a half there was tough. We, we found that while there was a lot of foot traffic, it wasn't restaurant foot traffic, yeah. it was lifestyle foot traffic. Yeah, yeah. Going to the bank, going to the gym, going, so everybody walks, but they don't necessarily, they're not there to eat. Yeah. So one of the things that I learned there is the value of context. Why are people in an area? Yeah. Um, the nice thing is the original partnership strategy that I created included building that one and then the nomads and poor credit. Okay. So approximately one year later, I had unit number two open in Port Credit. Yeah, and you're more familiar with Port Credit a little bit too. Very much so, yeah. I mean, my wife grew up in the area and then having El Jefe that was just down the road, I knew it pretty well. Uh, Afterwards, um, we chipped away at Danforth uh, just to try to keep it where I needed to be. I was lucky enough that I was able to sell the unit 
Um, obviously lost a little bit of money in the operating costs, yeah. but it broke even on the sale basically, okay. which is fine. Uh, then we started this one up here at Broadview. Um, the reason I started one here is because I wanted to stay within earshot of the goodwill we created while we were at Dampo. Yeah, yeah. You got a lot of, a few customers, I'm sure, that, that yeah. to your restaurant yep. such, right? Which is nice. And, so and then uh, the plan for Nomads moving forward is up in the air. You never know, man. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, uh, we're playing a game of Monopoly and everything's for sale. Yeah. And so as we'll you said, see. like, as we're talking about, like, every day is a different day. You never know what's going to happen, right? Nope, that's it. So, um, and you're a fit guy, obviously, and you've uh, done bodybuilding. Yes. So, like, talk about your bodybuilding, because I know uh, that had a huge factor into who you've become and stuff. So. I think so. Um, I always trained, so I was, I was a bit of a runt, if you haven't noticed. Yeah. <laughs> like a 5'7", if you can't see on camera. Um, and, but I was an athlete in high school, so for me, I had to train to try to keep up with the kids that were growing a little faster. Yeah. Um, so when I was 15, I started working out, and it just became a really good um, control system for me. So, you know, when you're 15, 16, you're out getting pretty well wasted every weekend, you're having a bunch of whatever it is, <laughs> that carries in through college, and you know, you get into other extracurriculars, and <laughs> I, uh, I always worked out. Like, yeah. I always stuck with training, because I would never go out or go party or do anything unless I'd worked out. Yeah. And then you, you somewhat associate with it a little bit, like. So you had that kind of mindset already of yeah. like, if you're not working out, then and you're not gonna go out and, and have too much fun and stuff. Right? Pretty much, like it kept me balanced, okay. I would say. Um, as I got older, when I hit, uh, I actually didn't do my first bodybuilding show till I was 29. Okay, how old are you now? 34. Okay. So yeah, when I was 29, I did my first show. Um, it was men's physique, so sort of bodybuilding in shorts, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I did, uh, I'm actually still nationally qualified, so I might do it low-key, I might do another show in oh, October. Nice, nice. I'm just not telling Meg, because she's so <laughs> against it. Yeah, I think I said it in one of my other podcasts, it's kind of, cat's out of the bag if she pays attention. Um, for me, it's been, it's been a really good, just, uh, it, it, like, healthy for my mind, my body, everything like that. Yeah. It's given me a set of tools to just continually work at something long term. Yeah. You know, uh, when I was young, I used to try to think of how can I, why can't I transfer my skills in bodybuilding or working out to the rest of my life? And you slowly do, yeah. you, you slowly do. Like the things that you, you take from bodybuilding are obviously optimal health and you don't age much. Mm -hmm. um, you become, you, you know, you can stay athletic as long as you, as long as you can continue to stay fit. But the big thing is it does teach you a lot about hard work. It does teach you to fight through the pain. It does teach you that you're not gonna get results today every yeah, time you do yeah. something. Uh, so for me, it's played a big factor and um, I'll continue to do it forever yeah, until the day I die. The mental capacity of what you were just talking about, of understanding that every day that you put in the work, it's not gonna come like yep. right away, right? That's exactly it, yeah, you're sort of, Bodybuilding is, is a good a good analogy for that is kind of like you're building a castle one brick at a time. So you know a lot of kid, a lot of young kids when they're trying to be entrepreneurs or be successful, they think of it like this is my big jackpot. Yeah. I'm gonna go buy this ticket. I'm gonna win. Yeah. I'm gonna invest into this business. I'm gonna start this. I'm gonna be a fucking billionaire. Yeah. Not very likely. Yeah, exactly. You know, every, life and entrepreneurship and everything is similar to bodybuilding where you put in your work every day and it's one block at a time. Yeah. And if you can stay consistent, eventually you have a castle. Yeah. Um. And uh, well, and that kind of transitions into uh, the book that I found out that you wrote. Oh, I didn't yeah. know this until <laughs> so crazy. research, and, and I'm like, I'm like, did you actually write a book? So 
uh, I haven't read the full thing yet, but just reading the beginning of it and it being called the complete U-turn. Yeah. So I imagine that is one of your main turning points in your in your life. Yeah, huge, huge. <laughs> so yeah. So kind of goes back to when you went to the Cayman Islands, I'm assuming. Yeah, right? yeah, I did. Yeah. So. Yeah, I got myself into a little trouble while I was down there, um, but it was a good wake-up call. Like, life was pretty easy then. Yeah. Um, I had, you know, my hands in the bar and restaurant industry, um, partying lots, money was decent. It was just easy. It's like Groundhog Day down there. You yeah. just same thing over and over again. So it's easy to let time pass. And by getting myself in a bit of shit, it wasn't anything major. Like yeah. obviously, I I, I had no problem. Like I'm I'm allowed back in the country. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> um, but I did. It, it was it was interesting. It was a big turning point for me because it woke me up to thinking like, you know, when you have the mentality of oh it'll never happen to me. Yeah. yeah. And then it does. And then you're like oh I'm not invincible. Yeah. You know, and whatever switch it turned in my head, it was pivotal. Yeah. So since then, I've just been a totally, obviously I've had the tools, but that was a big turning point into turning me into a more like diligent, hardworking, just entrepreneur, not thinking anything's going to come easy and that, hey, if you don't pay attention, shit's going to bite you in the ass. Yeah. It's good. It's good. like a way to, to think and to operate and to really to show people that like you can, you're not, you're not invincible pretty much. No, no. And I think it's, yeah, it was, it was. It was a bad experience, but a really good experience, and it was probably my first, but the first time I ever felt real stress. Yeah, and did that like pertain to like the, our podcast and like you thought wrong? Like, did that really help you and just the people around you say like to maybe slow down or that you shouldn't be doing all these things at once? Not really. No, no, it's interesting. It really had nothing to do with that. For me, it was a wake up call in the sense that um, I realized I should be doing the right things all the time, none of the wrong things. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that, like, I wasn't doing anything bad or vindictive or anything. I was just being an idiot. Yeah. Just being a kid. But no, I, I don't actually agree with that. I think that everyone's focus is different. Okay. So focus, in my opinion, think of focus like this. When you focus on something, it's your capacity to manage what's at hand, your tasks at hand. Mm-hmm. Some people need to focus on one thing. Mm-hmm. But some people can focus on 10, and that's how that's their capacity for focus. Yeah. And if they're not challenged by those 10 things, then they're not challenged, they're not interested. Yeah. And I'm just the type of entrepreneur, the type of person where I like to juggle 10 things at once. Yeah. You know, and trust me, I get in over my head sometimes, I over leverage time and over leverage money. But the reality is that's the game I like to play. Yeah. This is the pace I like to move at. So no, it was, if anything, what it did was it gave me more of the, um, gave me more of the mindset to just be more focused on what I had to do, yeah. pay attention to what I actually wanted out of life, which is to be this entrepreneur that I've turned into. Yeah. Um, and it kept me out of trouble. It just kind of went like this, it yeah. repositioned me. That's good. That, yeah, like in the sense of uh, just juggling so many things at once, do you find, okay, as you said, like, okay, you can handle this amount of, uh, things at once uh, do you feel like okay when you get overstressed do you like do you check those lists and then be like okay I'm gonna cut this out right now just to, so I can put more focus into this and vice versa yeah very something very similar so one thing that I do that I think everybody should do that wants to win in yeah. life I don't care what it is you do um, before you go to bed make your list for the next day yeah. um, I make my list and I go business by business and I break down my list within that and I just have this one big list yeah. and then every day I just have to knock these things off the list and no I don't always get to them yeah. so you sort of prioritize okay sometimes I'll slot them in for like in, in time other times I'll put them on a checklist be like get to it when you can yeah, yeah. and then you just view vary based on priority and like today like I said I had two I had two leaks in two different businesses today yeah. that I was like well nothing else matters I gotta fix those now yeah. so that, that happens that happens, but what, what I've noticed is the more and more you do, the more people you have to hire. Yeah. 
So the trickle down is you have more people to help you when you run into a jam. Yeah. You know, and I've I've I think I'm at like I don't know 40, 50 employees right now, and there's a lot that if there is a problem, I can get someone else to sort of tackle it, so yeah. I can stay focused on those things that I have to do. Do you find it hard to to find people to trust? into doing certain tasks and hiring people? Hiring's interesting. I don't have an issue with trust. I openly trust most people. What I have a problem with is people are, are uh, they lack motivation and ambition. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. If you find out what motivates you, if you can find out what that is, you're so lucky. Yeah. It doesn't mean you have to do one thing like, you know, Mike Trout's the best baseball player in my opinion, maybe ever. Yeah. His motivation is just that. You don't have to be that kind of person, but if you know how to get up every day and go tackle it, yeah. that's so key. Um, I find a lot of people lack motivation and ambition. I think motivation's funny. I think that it's like water. You need to drink eight glasses a day, and I don't yeah. even know where you're going to get it all the time. Yeah. For me, I'm internally motivated. I don't know where I get it or why, but it's just who I am. Um, the issue that I have with staff more so than anything is that people lose interest, lose motivation, and don't have ambition. Yeah. I think the biggest problem is that they're not sure where they want to go. I think, I think that's the main factor for a lot of people, right? And just uh, reading about this morning and just talking about you could be doing so many things and doing really great at them, but if you're starting to feel like, who am I really, then you're going to start losing motivation and then slowly your business is going to deteriorate because you don't know where you're, where's your next step. And it, that's exactly what happens. Right? That's, that's, I couldn't agree more. I think, um, I think the big challenge, like you said, is it's like if you don't know where you're going, you'll end up somewhere else. Yeah. You know, it's just you have to have an idea of what you're after because it's your North Star. Yeah. It's the reason you keep going. And it, they, if you don't know the direction you're going and you get into a car, you just drive? Yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> you're just not going to. Also, if you do know where you're going, you're not going to go the wrong way yeah. for you know a month, six months, two years. Yeah. So I think if people paid more attention to what they actually want, what their success looks like, and what they deem to be an acceptable lifestyle for them, yeah. I think that they would stay. It'd be much easier to keep people motivated. Okay. You know, I hate. I actually hate to say it, um, but if people have a family and a mortgage. They're, they're motivated without knowing it. Yeah, yeah. You know, like when we're, yeah, we're all, a lot of us are young. Those bills and stuff. Yeah, right. like a lot of us are young and have a little more flexibility. But if someone's like, oh, I got a mortgage and I got kids, even though they might show up and be cranky some days, yeah. they're motivated by the fact that they have responsibilities. Yeah. But when you're young and you don't have those responsibilities, the nice thing is you have the choice to decide what do you want to motivate you. Yeah. If you don't decide, then life's going to decide for you and you just have to keep going. Exactly. And uh, kind of on the scale of handling so much at once, uh, and like, you're married, how long have you guys been married now? Uh, three and a half years. Three and a half years, yeah, so. We've been together for so long, we've been together for 13 and a half. So 13 years of being together, and then like, going through all the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur, like, I know she works close with you, Yeah. but uh, is there, how, like, how is it handling that kind of relationship, because you guys have to see each other, or talk to each other at least every day? We're lucky, we're, we're lucky, um, Meg and I are the most compatible pair I've ever seen. It's just like, the thing is, if you heard us talk, you'd be like, what the fuck's going on over there? Because we'll, we'll curse and swear at each other. We're probably like, all day long, we'll yell this and that, eh, whatever, whatever. But they're like, oh, you want to grab some meat? Yeah. Like, we're just, we're good. We're always, I don't know, we've, we've always had such good communication with each other yeah. that we've been able to work through every problem we ever had. We've grown together, you know, so much. It's so interesting to see an 18 and a 20-year-old still together at 34 and 32. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, whatever it is, like I, she's my biggest asset, and I'm sure it's vice versa in so many ways. Yeah. She's so versatile. She does so much in our businesses. It's crazy. Um, we just, and we've, 
we still, I don't know, man. It's just, I'm, I'm lucky in that sense. We just mix so well. She does so much for me, and I'm, you know, I think, I think again, I think the biggest thing is that when you communicate well with someone and you're open and honest with each other, and I don't mean it to sound cliche, but like if sh- if there's a problem, we just talk about it. Yeah. Nothing boils up, nothing boils over. We right never, yeah, anything. we've never relived a problem from the past. Never, not once. We've never had an issue where it's like, oh well, in like like I don't know, 2008, you did this. Like what? Yeah. And we've never done that. <laughs> back up and yeah. Yesterday. <laughs> so no, we've we've been good like that. And um, the other nice thing is, it, she's not an entrepreneur. She's not. She doesn't have the same hardwiring I do, but I've been able to sell her yeah. <laughs> on the uh, on this sort of this dream because, to be to be quite honest, in the next two years I can retire. Like yeah. done. Obviously, I'd have to liquidate some assets. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, if I wanted to sell, take my money, move down to the Cayman Islands, I'm good. Yeah. And I'll I'll be like 35. So when you think about that, for the amount of effort that Megan and I have had to put in together over the last 15 years, 13 years, it'd be 15 then, um, it's been worth it. You can show, yeah. Yeah, it's been been worth it, and she also knows it's like, if that's the life we want to live, it's not. Don't get me wrong, my ambitions are way higher, but if that was it, you could say, well, that was a really tough 13 to 15 years that we put in, now we can go do whatever we want with the rest of our lives, happily. We're done. So that that just shows all the hard work that you've put in too, right? And uh, so on to kind of uh, to what you're saying that you don't want to stop because I was reading your Z to B, so uh, zero to a billionaire, right? Yeah. So like, what what is that mindset of of wanting to reach that 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 limit? It's interesting. I feel like it's almost a made up goal when it's that large, but it was the one I had when I was a child. I was a kid. I was yeah. just a little kid. Like, I was like I don't know, like six, seven. I was young. Um, just because it was such a crazy number and as I've gotten older and learned to understand economics and all this other stuff I've always I've just been kind of I use it as sort of a north star I don't actually want that much money yeah. if I had that much money I would just give it away to be honest <laughs> with you I've got no use for it I'm not I'm not I'm not a socialist but I'm not full capitalist I'm not greedy yeah. it's not how I am I mean if you look around or talk to anybody like I, I pay everybody well I take care of everybody as well as I possibly can yeah. like I will sacrifice myself all the time for the other people that's that's for sure um, so uh, anyway with the billion dollar goal it's a good North Star to have because A, I know what my success looks like. I'm actually going to hit it. Yeah. Like in the last like year or so, I've been like, oh, some big things have happened and I've created some other large partnership strategies that are outside of these businesses. And I'm like, oh, I'm actually going to hit it. Yeah. But that's what my success looks like. So when I do hit it, I'm going to stop chasing money. I think I'll still have a lot of businesses that are set up and they'll still yeah. operate, but that like... 12 to 13 hours a day of go, 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 go. That'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn the page. It'll be a new chapter. Yeah. The other big thing with having a billion dollar goal or this fuck you goal, whatever it is, like, yeah. you know, buy the Blue Jays, which is one of them. Um, <laughs> yeah. It just is. I just want, want the Blue Jays. That would be amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, I like it. <laughs> um, you never sweat the small stuff. Yeah. You don't have to because you go, okay, well, you know, I lost $150,000 in this business. So that takes a big chunk out of this or that. But it's like, well, if I'm trying to make a billion, that's that's a drop in a bucket. Who cares? Double down, make the right moves. Yeah, and you also don't think short term. You know, I don't ever set up a business to be like, what am I going to make today? I'll go, I'll pay everybody well. I'll sacrifice more and more. I'll take a larger chunk of the business. Yeah, and then because I know what my long game looks like, that I don't have to worry about my short game. So you set, like you, you continue to make sacrifices because you know that billion dollars is going to take such a massive effort that you don't worry about the small stuff you just keep planting seeds so it's been in in other than the money it's been a good it's been a good litmus test for me to make decisions through yeah yeah it's a good it's a good way 
put it. Um, and so with the Mars studio that you have, yes. is that more into like giving back a little bit to the communities too and just having space for people to, to be able to do their, their thing creatively? Sort of, yeah. Like, um, it, it kind of molded and morphed itself into something that it is now. So originally it was just going to be mainly music and this and that, and then it turned into more of, well, I've got a media company, so I need a house for that. And then I partnered with one of my buddies, Sean, who is like one of the largest um, lighting and sound guys in the world. Okay. So I ended up subleasing out more of the building to him. Okay. So he's right behind it now. So it's it's turned into like, yeah, like any f like friends and family, like they're using it, they're whatever they're around, you know, obviously... Um, we're using it for music and podcasts, podcasts, and we have the soundstage built in there. It's it's more of a break-even right now, okay. but what's happening out of it is we're starting something called Mars TV, which is going to be like Vice, okay. um, and so we'll be able to produce content out of there. I have made a larger partnership strategy. I've, I've basically executed a large partnership strategy for my media company, okay. so that's going to be head office there. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I started it because my wife's a musician. Yeah. Um, and I also love to do content. Like one day I want to be a Gary Vee. It's just I got to do more. Yeah. Uh, so it was good to have the facility, and then from that, all these other things popped up. So it's been interesting. Um, I enjoy it. It was a bit of a headache to, to get going. Obviously, cost more. Took longer. Yeah. And it was a business I didn't know. So there was. So you have to really learn and get familiar with those things. There was some hiccups, but where we're at now, I'm very happy. Um, and how long have you had run I, that now? We've had it for. Uh, Eight months, nine months. Still fresh. Yeah, pretty pretty new still, but it's at that point now where it's not costing me money, and yeah. we're starting to produce out of there, That's which cool. is great. Yeah, and so kind of to your curious me uh, comment, you're saying like I know you do a lot of just uh, motivational talks, like when you're driving or just videos and stuff. Why do you feel that's good for, not just for you, but for, to, to give that content to people? I think, so one of the big reasons why I like to share my ideas with people is, first of all, very few people execute, but people need the knowledge and information. So I'm not worried about giving up ideas, I don't care. Yeah, when it comes not to reinventing the wheel. No, that's exactly it. Um, the other thing is, there's this quote by um, George Bernard Shaw, which I'm gonna absolutely butcher. <laughs> um, but to paraphrase, Perfect, yeah. <laughs> uh, he said, if I have an apple and you have an apple, I give you my apple and you give me yours, then we still each only have one apple. Mm -hmm. But if I have an idea and you have an idea and we share ideas, now we each have two ideas. So I like to share the information that I have because A, I think it helps people. Um, I, help, I think it helps them keep their head out of water, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I think that's important. Um, and then the other, the other side of that is um, I also think that um, you need, like I said, motivation is like a glass of water. You need, you need eight glasses a day. Yeah, yeah. You just kind of need it to keep you going. I think that it's important to do that kind of stuff. And I think I kind of shine in, that, in doing that, doing content. I really enjoy it. Yeah. I like, I like getting it out there. I like giving people as much information as I possibly can to keep people going. I know people are always fighting through some shit. Yeah. And I think that I've failed more times than you can shake a stick at a bad dog. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think that if I can give anybody some of that information so they don't put their hand on the stove, then yeah, I'm yeah. so happy to do it. Yeah, because we've all gone, well, you've gone through so much and you've, as you said, you've learned and you don't want people to go through those same mistakes, right? Right. What are some, like, main books or podcasts and stuff that you, that really stuck with you yeah, over the years? Um, so I don't, I, I, I read in spurts and I listen in spurts. It just depends, like, I find that there's two phases. One is where you're educating yourself, the other is where you're executing. When you're executing, it's much harder to consume information because you're go, go, go. Yeah. Um, People that I really listen to right now, Joe Rogan's my favorite. Yeah. I fucking love him. He's <laughs> so good, man. I just find him to be like, 
He's got a wealth of knowledge. He's so down to earth. He's so balanced. He's so middle ground with everything. Yeah. He calls people out for their shit. He's just great. I think he's done such a fantastic job for himself. The filter. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's awesome. It's like he's just like a cooler, older version of me. I'm like, oh, <laughs> um, and then Gary Vee is another one I do pay attention to. Now I'm off and on with him. Yeah. Um, Gary Vee. What I like is I like his business model as a as a media mogul and also as a personality. So I'm I'm looking to, I try to draw some parallels there yeah. um, for myself and what I'm trying to do. The only thing with him is, and, it, and it's it's no fault of his own, it's the, it's the system of content creation. I find that it's a little repetitive for like two, three months at a time. Like he'll be on a tip and he'll rotate, rotate, rotate through that information. Yeah, yeah. Then once that's dry and he's got a new idea, then he goes again. So I find myself like in and out every three to four months with him. Yeah. Uh, but it's stuff's Once great. a new idea kind of comes yeah, from yeah. something else that you, that you feel that you can learn from kind of thing, right? In terms of books, there's so many great books out there. Um, it depends what you're going through. Like if you just want like entrepreneurship, I don't know, read the Toilet Paper Entrepreneur. Yeah. Really good book. Um, okay. If you want like to clear your head up, read some Eckhart Tolle. Like Eckhart Tolle wrote, like A New Earth was really good, so was The Power of Now. They're just great yeah. books. Yeah. Uh, if you want my favorite book of all time, The Holographic Universe by Michael Talbot. It was written in 1991. Super interesting. The first, the first two chapters are a little complex. Even like when I read it originally, like it was a little beyond where my head was at. Then I did some more research. Um, but once you get through the first two chapters of how the how the universe is like actually a hologram, yeah. it's kind of fucked up. Like it's just weird when you think about it. Um, super interesting stuff. Yeah. Really, really great book. I really, really enjoyed that. Um, but the, the interesting thing with books are you can read. You can read. Everybody's like, oh, I'm going to read a book a week. I'm like, that's good. Good yeah. for you. But if you're reading information that's not going to resonate with you at that particular moment in time or that particular thing you're going yeah. through, it's a bit of a waste. I was going to say, you feel like a waste of time, right? A bit, yeah. Like it's, I think people need to listen more to what they're going through and then find someone who's been through the same thing and read that information. Mm -hmm. Because every time you read a book, you're getting someone's summary of the best information they have. Yeah. So I think they're great. I think they're great. That's good. That's good. <clears throat> so like with all that you've done, um, how was it to, do you have a lot of people telling you that you might be doing too much and stuff just outside of your sphere um, and just and like from the beginning of when you started everything, just your self-doubt, possible possibilities of self-doubt and then all that, like how do you overcome that with like possibly like routines and stuff to be able to block that out? It's interesting. Um, that's a funny one. I think that may be tied into like the, the internal motivation I have. I'm not really too sure. So when I started as an entrepreneur, no one believed in me at all. Yeah. I mean, my parents thought I was being a fucking idiot. Yeah. They're like, you have got a good education, or you're smart at least. I didn't have a great education, but I was intelligent. <laughs> um, like, you can get a job doing anything. My mom's like, be a doctor. My dad's like, be, you know, join the Air Force. I'm like, everybody relax. I do feel parents are, like, for the beginning, are the hardest to, to uh -huh. get over that hump. Yep. And then, and then like, so how did you feel to, to get over that kind of hump? I just didn't care. I just never really, it's interesting, from a pretty young age, I'd say 22, 23, and that's young in comparison to when people stop caring what people think. Yeah, yeah. From that age, I just didn't give a shit. I was like, I'm going to do things my way. Um, this is the game I want to play, and it's going to be challenging, and that's just how it's going to go. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of self-doubt when I was younger. I think the biggest way to squash, or the best way, rather, to squash self-doubt is to have some success. Yeah even just a modicum of success, anything, then you're like, oh, I can actually do this. And then you really pick up momentum, you know, and it's anybody that, anybody that doubted me or said I was doing too much or this or that, now everybody just sits there and watches. They're like, yeah. what the fuck? And they're like, how do you keep, really? I'm like, yeah, it's just, yeah. it's become my new normal, man. Yeah, because every time I, I see, see you in like, uh, there's something new, uh, like 
Nomad was over there, and then I blinked, and then Nomad is here now, right? And then you got Mars, and then like researching what you've done and stuff with your book, I was just like, okay, what hasn't he done, you know? There's so much more to do, bro. <laughs> There's so much more to do. I love it. So like with that, with more that you want to do, um, I saw that possibly you have another restaurant. Two more. Two more. Two more in Port Credit. Okay. Yeah, I got two more in Port Credit. One's going to be called Bonsai, yeah. which is half sushi, half Southeast Asian. And yeah. uh, the other one's called The Feed, so rotisserie chicken, like chicken feed. Okay. Yeah. I come up with all I come up with all my names. I just like so. Uh, so yeah, that one will be. Uh, they'll both be open this year. Nice. Yeah, I had to go through the committee of adjustment for bonsai, which was a long and grueling process. So I got the property ten months ago. I got approval last Thursday. Uh, and then for the feed, it's uh, currently a QSR, which is a quick serve restaurant. So the takeover and transition is pretty easy. Still going to cost a few bucks, um, but a pretty easy transition. Nice. nice. Yeah. So um, I think. Um with your routines, like what is your what is your morning like to kind of get you started? I know you talked about like writing all your your tasks uh, before you go to sleep, which I think is great, especially because when you have so much going on, when you, if you don't do that, going to sleep, you're going to be like, hey, what do I got to do? It fucks with your head. What do I gotta do? And you don't sleep, and then you're more tired the next day. Yeah. So other than than uh, what you do before you go to sleep, well, what would you say you do more in the morning to kind of get your day started? Uh, I, I wish I had a magical answer. Um, I had uh, I had a podcast the other day with Matt uh, Matt Pichula. He's my uh, CBRE rep for okay. commercial real estate. And he's got a great morning routine. You guys should listen to that podcast because yeah. my morning routine is get up and get the hell out of the house. Yeah, like I just go. Like it's it's it depends, right? You know, on Saturday or Sunday, never both days. Me and the wife stay home in the morning. Yeah, just the morning. We have coffee and hang out with the dogs. Every other day, like. Every other day is up that's between. That's your time, like together, kind of. That's thing. it. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like we work together and see each other all day, but don't really see each other. You yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I'm organized from the night before, I don't have to think about it. I can get up and just execute, which is really important to me. I get up between seven, seven thirty every day. Um, I just get cleaned up and leave the house. I just go in one of five directions right away. It's interesting because I think a lot of people need a routine. They need yeah. some sort of formula to keep them going. And I think that those are important, but I think that they serve a purpose. If you have a morning routine, it creates a habit, which then you can create a result. Yeah. I can create the result now. I don't need the habit anymore. Okay. You know, like for a long time, I used to wake up in the morning and I used to go over my goals. Yeah. Uh, I would also go over the things I was grateful for. I'm still very grateful for a lot of things, yeah. and I still have some very clear goals. Now I do my goals every probably quarter. Okay. I sit down and go, okay, am I offline here? What's going on with this? What's going on with this? What am I doing here? Because the big goal is great, but if you have something a little more smaller or something a little more incremental, it's, yeah. it's hard to sort of make daily decisions. Yeah. Um, so I, I do that, but uh, whatever, however I was able to build the habit through those other things I used to do, I don't need it anymore. Okay. I just have like, my way of life is just get up and go now. Just yeah. get up and go. Yeah. Well, when you have when, when you kind of set it up the day the next day, then yeah. you're ready. You know where you're going, unless you get those calls where something's leaking or something. Well, or something. you know what? <laughs> I, you you learn to expect it. Like for my life, um, I've learned to expect that two to three hours a day is just going to be just Putting out fires. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like you're gonna there's going to be a mess somewhere, so yeah. you're gonna have to clean something up. Just yeah. deal with it whenever it shows when up. Nothing happens, and you're just like. Oh, this is a great day. <laughs> You're like, just so rarely, yeah, but I'm like, going to see, like, yeah, not? yeah. Like yesterday, actually, I thought it was gonna be an absolute catastrophe, and like by the end of the day, I'm like, okay, I navigated those waters pretty well. All right, good, good, good. That was yeah, nice. So you kind of gotten into the habit of, as you said, just having that mindset of like, whatever happens, happens, and 
you're going to fix it either way. Yeah, what, what I mean, so or not. I think what's interesting, like this one, a point on that is I've become eternally optimistic. Yeah. Now, people confuse optimism with happiness yeah. or a smile on my face. They're very different things. The reason I'm optimistic is because I've failed and solved so many problems that there is literally not a problem that I can't solve. Yeah. Like, I dictate my environment. I know the situations I'm getting into, and within those confines, I can fix anything. Yeah. It doesn't always mean I'm going to be the one to fix the leak, yeah. but I can talk to the guy that can do it for me so I know the problem's going to be solved. Yeah. So even though some days are tough and you're a little depressed here and there or this is stressful, there's a lot going on, I know I'm always going to be okay because yeah. I've always been okay and I've always solved the problem. Yeah. So whatever it is, you're just kind of, I don't know, it's, it's not that hard. It's, it's, I don't know, I, th I think people put... Too much emphasis on that kind of. They do. I but think, as you said, they have to learn to fail first to be able to to get over those fears, right? It's interesting. The more you fail, the more versatile your skill set becomes. Mm -hmm. The more you fail, the more you find your way through things. Like, like you said, the number of things that I've done. Forget, forget defining myself or trying to think that I'm special for any of it. Just take, just take the number of things that I have done at the level I've done them, and think of how many times I had to screw things up to get there in yeah. each of those arenas. Yeah. So how much I learned. So if you look at whether it's construction, whether it's restaurants, even if it's writing, if it's doing content, if it's owning a studio, if it's soundproofing something, yeah. like there's so many different things that I that I have a proficiency in because I failed my way through them. Yeah, and it just makes it easier for the next transition. Whatever it is, because there's so much crossover. If every business crosses over by 25%, by the time you know have done 10 different things, you, you know most of everything when it comes to this particular thing. Yeah. Like, I'm not an astrophysicist. I can't fix all the stuff in the world. <laughs> I know that, but I'll be honest with you, if I had to build a rocket, I could definitely find the people and I could definitely get it done. you figure it out. I just would. <laughs> That's the main thing. All right, to wrap it up, um, just want to, like, it's called You Thought Wrong, so what would you tell your doubters and people that have just not seen your vision? What is, like, a few words or sentences that you would just say for people to, to take that they can portray for themselves at the same time? Sorry, be a little more clear. What do you mean? Just what, what would you tell your, your your haters at the end of the day? Oh, I don't even know who they are. <laughs> I'm sure they're out there. If you, if you guys hate me, good for you. I don't care. I just don't care. Just, I pay zero attention. Yeah. Pay zero attention to everybody else out there doing anything. Who cares? Yeah. You got a goal, go, go accomplish it. Yeah. People talk shit all the time. If you're a good person, you have a good, strong moral compass, and you, all you're trying to do is reach your goals, gives a shit what anybody says. Exactly. It doesn't affect you. People are either going to help you along the way or they can fuck off. Yeah, pretty doesn't matter. It, it's, I give it zero weight. I consider it at no time. Nice. I don't even, yeah, it's that like... It's a I, hard mindset to come by, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you've learned yeah, over the years. I think so. I think, I think I've learned through the failure. I've learned through having people, like you said, having people doubt, but um, it's never played, a, it's never played a, a pivotal role. Yeah. It's played a big enough role in the sense that when everyone doubts you, but it never stopped me from doing what I wanted to do. I've just never paid it much attention. And you've had great people around you, which has helped. Right? Yeah. I have some great staff, great people, great, yeah, I've, I'm very lucky that way, so it's been, it's been good. Okay. So far, so far, so good. So far, so good. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Jonathan. Right. Thanks, guys. Cheers. All right. Thanks, man. Yeah, man, no worries. That was great. Thank you. We all have fears, and that's okay. We hope that we have given you something to help you conquer some of your fears so you too can continue to excel at life. Thank you for listening to You Thought Wrong.